Wow, what an intro. <laughs> nope, I'm good. So I'm super excited uh, that I had the opportunity to come up and speak to you guys today. I've, I've been here for about six months now, maybe a little bit longer. And I know, especially people in the worship ministry, I've had a great time of getting to know. But I also know there's a ton of you out there that I haven't got a chance to know. And some of you probably see me up here with tattoos and stuff and go, that kid's weird. And it's true. But um, I was excited. I was talking with Steve and we were in a staff meeting and Steve just kind of said, hey, Zach, I'm going to have you speak. Um, And I'd really like you to talk about a little bit about your testimony and a little bit about where you come from, how you grew up. But more important than that, um, a few points in my life that I really had to take a step of faith. And we obviously heard uh, Peter speak um, on some steps that he took. Um, we, we heard the Gambers speak about um, praying together and just the challenge uh, that came with that and a little bit about their move uh, from a place, go Broncos, Colorado. Sorry, everybody else, don't hate me. Uh, I like the Seahawks too. The only time they'll ever play is either preseason or Super Bowl. So we don't have to worry about that until the end of this year. Um, but... Um, the big thing he wanted me to talk about is a couple of different areas in my life that I really had to pursue God and figure out what God wanted me to do in my life. And as most of you know out there, because everybody out here has a story, um, sometimes you can't always see clearly to the other side of what God's calling you to do. Sometimes that can be really murky and it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of obedience and it takes a lot of perseverance. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is tell you guys, as Steve would say, my Reader's Digest version of my testimony and uh, how I grew up. So I'll point out, I I have a mom and dad. Some of you guys met them. Uh, They were here. They did their country western style thing and everybody loved it. Uh, And everybody came up and said, hey. And I went, no. Uh, so, uh, So that was awesome. But, um, I will, I, will, I will start off by saying I had an awesome mom and dad growing up. Um, not everybody can say that. Um, my parents were, were great. Um, I also had an older brother who is visiting from Colorado, right back here with his wife, Connie, and their new baby, Peyton. A lot of people think we named, they named him after Peyton Manning. It was my mom's maiden name, so. But I'd like to think that he was named after Peyton Manning. So, uh, but they're visiting. But let me start off uh, from the beginning Um, I was born in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and uh, I grew up um, kind of in, Colorado Springs is a a weird city. It's a, it's a big city. It's very spread out. Um, It's a beautiful city. They have Pikes Peak, which is this big 14er that overlooks Colorado Springs, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And growing up, my dad was a band director um, at a few different places, but mostly when I was growing up, he was at a place called East Middle School. So he taught band during the day. He uh, did marching band uh, with the school. And when me and my brother were really little, he'd let us march along on the side and play this little Elmo drum I had. It was horrible. But um, it used to be my brother's. So, uh, so we, would, we would do that. And then he was a pastor on the weekends of a really small Baptist church called Audubon Heights Baptist Church. And it was, you know, a, a typical, really small, uh, hymn-led um, 30 people in the church, and it was great. It was a very, uh, my favorite part of being at it was the potlucks, because uh, anybody who knows Baptists, they have the best potlucks, um, and it was awesome, and then um, my mom 
she had started in a company called Norwest, Norwest, which is now Wells Fargo because they merged. And she started off as a teller and she worked her way up to be a bank manager. And then she switched into underwriting. Her long story short, her, her bank got robbed. Um, and I think that was kind of a turning point where she was like, you know, I'm good. I think I'll go into underwriting uh, and be in the building that they can't find me. So, um, but she was, uh, she was really, really good with money growing up. And that was probably one of the best things I could take away from my mom is she, she really taught us really sound financial advice growing up. Um, my brother, um, obviously two years older than me. So the difference between Casey and me, um, Casey, it was a joke in our family, but Casey was the good son. Uh, there was a movie that came out with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood uh, called The Good Son. Anyway, I wasn't that bad, but um, my brother, he, he was, the, he was the, the smart one. <laughs> that sounds so bad. My brother was the, the smart one. He was always, you know, straight A student, um, just wasn't too much of a social butterfly like myself growing up. He was very, uh, he maybe wasn't hanging out with the family while he was at home. But he was at home, so my parents were stoked. And I was the type who was always wanting to go out. I always wanted to be doing something social, even if it was just a few kids getting together across the street to play hockey. Like, boom, I wanted to be out. I wanted to be doing something. So when I was in seventh grade, my dad had met this guy named Kevin Moore when he was at East Middle School. And Kevin was this really awesome woodshop teacher. And my dad just became best friends with them. And they were both believers, so they would pray on their lunch breaks. And Kevin took a job at this big mega church in Colorado Springs called New Life Church. And he was doing children's ministry there. And my brother, or my brother, uh, my dad really felt the call at that point in his life to get out of band directing and really go and support Kevin in his ministry at New Life. Um, So We ended up moving when I was in seventh grade. We went up to the middle of nowhere. So it's called Black Forest, but the only problem was we didn't even live in the cool Black Forest part. We lived out on the plains of Colorado and on five-acre lots. And when we first moved in, there was like our house and one other house. And there was nothing else. And I'm in seventh grade. I can't drive. My brother can't even drive yet. So we're just kind of stuck out here. We left everything we knew growing up, even though we were probably only about... 45 minutes away from where we grew up. When you're, a, when, all of you know, when you're in middle school, you're kind of stuck and you're, either your friends pick you up, your friend's parents or your parents drive you somewhere. That's it. Both of my parents were working full time. So me and my brother would do, you know, standard things like shoot the horses with BB guns and stuff like that um, and watch them take off running, horrible stuff like that. Um, we would take smoke bombs. We would put them down gopher holes and then watch all the smoke come up in the, uh, in the different s- spots. Cool stuff like that. Um, but it was a complete life change. And anybody who's made a, a big move like that, especially if you did it when you were younger, you spent all this time. I was on soccer teams with friends. I was, uh, their dads were the coaches. Everything we had done was with all these friends that we had known since we were really little. And boom, it was all just kind of taken away. And we're up in this little town called Monument, Colorado, which is right in between Colorado Springs and Denver. There's a few towns. There's Monument and uh, there's Castle Rock. And not only were we in between, but they moved us from Colorado Springs to Monument and then like that, way out here in the middle of nowhere. So driving to school was about a 20-minute drive and getting into town was about a 30-minute drive. 
Um, it was just tough. It was tough as a kid. But like every kid, we made friends. Uh, we had one really weird neighbor across the way since we were the only other house that would always have their binoculars out, like checking on our house. And we were like, it's good. <laughs> Turns on and off the switches. But it was really weird. Um, but besides that, houses started being built in more uh, the population came. My dad's friend Kevin ended up moving out next to us with him and his family. And they were doing ministry together. I started helping out at New Life Church in the children's ministry, and my brother did as well. He was doing sound, and I was doing puppets for the children's ministry, and I was playing drums in the children's ministry band and everything. And uh, that's kind of where I really jumped into ministry when I was young. But the only problem with that is I didn't really go sold out for ministry. I was the kid who would, you know, be doing stupid stuff with my friends on the weekends, getting into trouble, and then coming into church, trying to live a separate life. Uh, so I had this life out here where I was doing really bad stuff, and then I'd come in on Sunday mornings and think, oh, I'll go teach kids, I'll do my good part, and me and God are cool. Because even though I did that last night, boom, here I am making it up. And I totally thought, that my relationship with God was kind of works-based, right? Do something bad, then do something good. I'll make up for it. I'm good to go. Um, so that was kind of my relationship with God throughout high school where I felt like I knew God, but I also felt like God was kind of a, this thing that was my parents, but I never really had taken ownership. I was just kind of there by default. So I knew everything about the Bible, right? That's all I heard growing up. Uh, I had to be a part of everything. I was a pastor's kid. So I knew everything, but I didn't really take ownership of it. So that was kind of me in high school. And my brother and me did not really have a great relationship as most brothers do. Um, they, they tend to fight. They tend to punch each other a lot and uh, everything like that. So my brother, he went off to college. Um, that was a really, really rough time for me when my brother went off to college because me and my mom, we fought like we just butt heads every time um it would be the smallest fight over doing dishes or something and we would just be in this huge raging yell at the top of our lungs fight my dad hated leaving us alone because he knew that we would get in a fight i hated that my brother was gone that i was the only one at home didn't feel like i could connect with my mom at all it was just one of those situations that it was horrible because me and my mom were so close growing up when we were young. And then boom, as soon as high school hit, and I know a lot of parents are out there going, yep. Uh, but as soon as high school hit, it just kind of faded away. And it wasn't about mom and dad anymore. It was about me finding myself and me being my own person. So I finally get to this point where I know I need to get out of the house. So I'm a senior and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. But my brother went to a really great college called uh, School of Mines. And it's a really great engineering college. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but everybody goes to college, right? So I decided, hey, my best friend, Corey, who I played in a band with in high school, he's going up to University of Northern Colorado. I'll go to University of Northern Colorado. I'll do the college thing. Uh, so we decided to get a dorm room together. We thought that would be an awesome idea because we would just be really good kids and go to class every day. And... I'm kind of like, you know, see you, mom and dad. I'm going to college. I'm going to be a big boy. And I go to college, and I think my parents were like a little, you know, relieved. They were like, ooh, made it into college. <laughs> Must have done something, right? And UNC in Colorado is, uh, 
you have Colorado uh, University, which is CU, which is where both of my parents went and my wife Ellie went. And then you have Colorado State University, CSU. And then if you don't make it into one of those two, then you go to UNC. Uh, it's one of those schools. So that's where I went. <laughs> uh, and I'm up there and my relationship with God is just non-existent at this point. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm partying. I'm drinking a ton. Uh, I'm not going to class. I'm failing. I'm just, I was doing whatever. It, for me, it was like a, a six-month vacation of just do whatever you want. And there was a Bible when I turned 18. My dad got all these people together that had been really influential in my life, that knew me from when I was young. And we went out to eat, and it was kind of like my rite of passage onto being a man. And he had been writing in this Bible um, for a long time. And he gave one to my brother when he turned 18 too. And he had been making all these little notes for all these years. And he had given me this Bible. And I'm up at college one day, and I'm just thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting wasted every day. I'm, I, there, there was no purpose to my life except that. And anybody who's ever gone through that, you just wake up the next morning going, feeling horrible and going, okay, well, I guess I'll do that again today. So I come home one night and I was a little bit tipsy and I walk into my dorm room and I open my closet up because I'm looking, uh, I, I don't know what I was looking for. And this Bible that my dad had given me when I turned 18 was kind of peeking out and boom, man, you have never felt conviction like I felt at that moment. It was like a ton of bricks hit my body and I instantly was like sobered up and just like the reality of what I'd become just hit me. And I was like, wow. So I decided to take the Bible, which everybody thought was a little weird because I went out to this little commons area and I was reading my Bible and they were like, he reads the Bible? It doesn't really go together. So. Uh, that didn't make sense to anybody that I'd be reading the Bible, but I'm out there reading the Bible and I decide, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I, I don't know what else to do. So I kind of just started praying and... I felt like something just inside my head said, Zach, you're not supposed to be here. And that was probably one of the first times in my life that I really felt God speak to me. And I didn't know what to do with it. I started questioning myself a lot. I started saying, well, who's that coming from? Am I just thinking that in my own head? Is that my own thoughts? What is this going on? And I didn't know. So after praying for a little while, uh, I called my dad up and I said, hey, dad, I'm trying to figure some stuff out with my life. And this is what you have to take into account from my dad's point of view. I'd gone up to college. I came back for one break with a mohawk that had blue hair on the tips and a tattoo. So my dad's going, hey, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> good to see you, son. Uh, so it was like, so when I call my dad up and say, hey, I was reading my Bible and I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. And without a hesitation, my dad said, I know. And I was kind of like, what do you mean you know? And he said, well, did God tell you you're not supposed to be there? And I said, I think so. And he goes, I know. And I was kind of like, well, that, that, that didn't make sense to me. What do you mean you know? Why didn't you tell me? So I kind of got mad at him. And I said, if I'm not supposed to be here, why'd you let me come? And he said, you're a man now. It's, it's no longer my decision of what you're going to do with your life. I know I raised you well. I know that I taught you about the Lord. 
But boom, at some point, you have to make it your own. And I was kind of like, wow. So I didn't know what to do at that point, but I knew I couldn't keep wasting money staying at college. So I did what a lot of kids don't want to do, and I moved back home. And, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I moved back home, and boom, immediately me and my mom were back into, like, arguing again. And it was like, oh, man, not this again. What are you doing with your life, Zach? But I know God had said, boom, go back home. So I went back home, and I finally said, you know what I'll do? I'm going to get back into ministry. I do ministry really well. I've been doing it my whole life, watching my dad do it his whole life. I'll get back into a ministry. At this point, my dad had left New Life, and he was at a church up in uh, Westminster, which is a little north of uh, Denver called Victory Church. And I said, hey, my dad works there. He can get me a ministry job, right? I have the in. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at what I do. So I asked my dad, I said, listen, I can't keep living at home. I need a job. Would you be willing to get me a job at your church in ministry? And then I'll move up there, get an apartment and start living my life the way I'm supposed to be living. Well, at that point in my life, I had no business doing anything in ministry. Uh, I, I didn't really have a solid relationship with God or anything. If anything, it had just been mended, but I still had so much more gr- growth that I had to do. So my dad comes back to me and he said, Zach, I found you a great job in ministry. And I was like, awesome. Where do I sign the papers? I'm, I'm signed up. He goes, it's a janitor full-time at the Montessori school. So every day you come in and you clean up after the two to 300 kids take out their poop diapers. Uh, you know, if they have anything go on in there, it's your job to clean it up. And it's at the church. So, and I was like, so I prayed that night and I said, God, I just, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So you, you want me to drop out of college and become a janitor. So we're good. We're on the same page. You know how that's going to make me look to all my friends. So let me say that one more time. Drop out of college and become a janitor. We good? Can you hear me now? Are we, are we there? And God was like, yep. And I was like, awesome. Um, now, my mom is sitting in the background going, Zach and cleaning don't really go together. And this is a Montessori school that if it's not cleaned up to regulations and the state comes in and they find too many problems, they'll shut you down. So my dad was being super nice in helping me get the job, but I think in the back of his mind, he was going, ah, this is really uncomfortable because uh, my son's probably not going to do a good job. And no surprise, I did a horrible job. But I move up there. And I have this pastor that's over me, and his name's Pastor Buddy, taught me a ton. I mean, this was exactly the position, because we have so many volunteers here that make church happen. How often do you give that much credit to the guy who went in and cleaned the toilets before you came in? How much credit do you give uh, to the guy who sets and breaks down all these chairs or vacuums or wipes down windows? Those things we just kind of forget about sometimes. And boom, he had thrown me into this position where I was just cleaning this church. This church was about 1,300 members. So it was, it was probably three times the size of Northview. And plus they had the school going on. So man, I, I start working that job and I'm immediately arguing with Pastor Buddy. 
we're just getting in fights all the time because this guy is like a cleaning expert pastor. I mean, he wanted the lines in the hallway like perfect. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. Like it's all vacuumed. There's nothing there. So I was the type who'd walk through and I'd walk in a room and go, I don't see many things on the floor. Move on to the next one. And he was the type who was saying, I don't care if you don't see anything on the floor. You vacuum it anyway. There's stuff on the floor that you can't see. And the same thing with, with, with toilets and everything. And I was trying to feel so, I wanted to feel important. So I decided to get myself a desk and I made myself a little desk inside the janitorial closet. <laughs> right, right next to like the, the toilet paper and stuff. And then people would walk by, you want some toilet paper? You, you know, and I'd be really excited. Uh, but I wanted to feel a sense of like importance. And I felt like I was doing a job that was so unimportant. I felt like I was just a complete loser at this point. I was happy because I was making enough to have my own apartment, but I could not see God's big picture. And this is the first big step that I want to tell you guys about that happened in my life. So my dad was over this ministry called Groundbreakers while I'm cleaning. And uh, it's this college ministry. It's kind of a college and young adults ministry. They called it 20s and 30s, but it was probably more 20s. And there were these two girls that kept the group running and their names were Jessica and Ellie. And um, my dad would preach at it, but they would do all the work for it. They would set up, they would coordinate events, they would have the room ready to go. Well, they didn't have anybody doing worship in this group. So I kind of slowly inserted myself saying, hey, I know how to play a few things. If you guys need help, I could take a break from cleaning the diapers for an hour and... uh, you know, do worship for you guys. So slowly I started working into doing worship in this group. And after I had been doing it for a little while, um, the group kind of fell apart um, because it just wasn't, when the other people had left and my dad came in, it just, it wasn't a, the right ministry for the church at the time. It was one of those ministries that it just kind of crumbled because they were having trouble getting college students and young adults who had just gotten married and started having kids they just didn't go together. Um, so the ministry kind of fizzled out. And at this point, my relationship with God starting to get stronger. And I started having a very big interest in this girl named Ellie, who was in the ministry. But she was like a year and a half older than me. So I was kind of like, you know, I don't know. I got a lot of moves. So uh, I might be able to make this happen. So, um, so I meet Ellie and me and Ellie start dating. And our friends, Jessica and Bruno. Um, and some of you guys met Bruno. He came up here uh, and candidated for the junior high position. Awesome guy. And we started this college ministry kind of from scratch called Hardcore College Ministry. And we all wanted to be about hardcore college kids after God. Like we're in this hardcore. So we got all these designs drawn up and everything. And we, we launched this ministry and we were thinking, we were passing out flyers. We were thinking like a thousand kids were gonna show up. And we had like 60 kids come in. And we had it in this huge sanctuary, like three times the size of this. And there were like the first three rows filled up. And we were like, where did everybody go? And we had set our expectations so high that it was awesome. We had 60 college kids there. Like, that's awesome. And we had felt like such failures. But that's really where I first got into my first ministry role. And I started doing that more full-time in the janitorial thing till it switched over. And I was doing full-time ministry. And... uh, I became the, they, they sent me and had me take some classes at Christian Life School of Theology, 
and I got uh, like a teaching certificate and a worship certificate from them, and I started actively doing ministry, and then I ended up getting married to my wife, Ellie, uh, and it was awesome. Now, take a look at that step of faith. At the beginning, it looked like, God, what are you doing? You're having me drop out of college and become a janitor. And it was so frustrating at the time because I couldn't see what God's plan was. I just knew I had to kind of walk along with it and trust him the whole time. Man, I would not be up here today at this church right now had I had not done that and met Ellie. And Ellie's parents and family live up here. That was such an amazing thing that I can look back and go, God, you know a lot more than I do. And I need to learn how to just kind of be quiet and let you kind of take the reins. So that was the first big leap of faith in my life that I really felt like I gave everything up and let God completely drive it. And at the end of it, I found a wife. I was doing full-time ministry and I felt like I was right where I was supposed to be. I would not be the person I was today if I had not cleaned that church for the first couple years. I wouldn't be the person I am today. And God knew he had to teach me humility. He knew that I had to get that down more than anything else. And boom, that's, that's what I was able to take away from that. So that's, that's step one. That's, that's the first big step in my life. And I want to move on to the second step, which is how I got up here to be with you guys. Um, me and Ellie had a ton of friends in Colorado. Obviously, I had grown up there my whole life. Ellie had been there since she was a sophomore. She, she grew up in this area. She grew up in Mill Creek. She went to uh, Jackson High School. And her dad ended up moving out to Broomfield, Colorado, um, which is right next to Westminster where Victory Church was. And she ended up going to Fairbanks, Alaska for a year of college and then got really homesick, ended up coming home, and she finished her degree at CU. Well, while I was at Victory, the, uh, before I had even gotten to Victory, she had started coming to Victory because she does uh, American Sign Language. And as one of her courses in college they said, hey, you need to go to a place that you can actively do sign language and get better at it. And they had a sign language service. So she started doing sign language for their service. And boom, it, that's how Ellie kind of got to victory and how God brought me to victory and we met. But everybody we knew was in Colorado. All these friends that we had done the college ministry with, that we had become best friends with, everybody and Ellie had completely fallen in love with my mom and dad and our family and Connie and Casey. Um, and man, it was just, everything was so tight. But this college ministry started to, the church, Victory Church ended up starting to not be a place I wanted to be at anymore. Uh, and I knew I needed to get out of there. So we looked at Seattle because Ellie's parents were up here. And then it was like, oh man, God really didn't open any doors there. So my dad had become a senior pastor down at this church called Aurora Hills Baptist Church. And I didn't really want to be doing college ministry. I was the same age as the people in the college ministry. And it was hard uh, to kind of speak into people that way. So I knew I wanted to be doing worship and youth. So when a position opened at my dad's church that I could do youth, uh, and then later on was able to start doing worship, I jumped all over it because I wanted out of victory. And boom, I went down there and started doing ministry with my dad, just like we had done when I was in uh, high school and stuff, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, me and my dad make such a great team. We complement each other well. 
and this is awesome. And I loved working with youth. I loved uh, being involved with them. It was very inner city youth, very, um, you know, broken homes a ton, and a lot of, lot of drugs, a lot of sleeping around, all this. And all this stuff, <laughs> sadly enough, I had experience with growing up. And I just felt like, boom, I, I could make a difference. And then on the other hand, I was able to do worship as well. Boom, I loved being at their church. I loved being a part of their church. I loved being engulfed in it. It was this small church that my dad was slowly growing back up, which he had always had a vision of doing, and finally God had given him that, and he had worked so hard to be there. And then the secretary of the church um, left to go down to Arizona because her, uh, her mother was sick, and they felt like, man, we got to go down and be next to my parents. So my dad thought, hey, Zach, your mom would make a great secretary at the church. And maybe we could bring her in. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah. That's, a, that's one idea. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep our options open. Uh, so the whole idea was, and my mom's going to be listening to this on the recording, so hey, mom. Uh, but, you know, obviously I wasn't, thrilled at the idea of working with mom and dad. But my mom, I got to hand it to my mom. She's an awesome secretary. She's an awesome office administrator. I guess that's the politically correct thing to say nowadays. She's so organized. She keeps my dad, like his calendar up to date and everything. She keeps the church calendar up to date. Boom. She did it all. And she was great at the job. But now I'm married. I'm trying to grow into my own person and now I've got mom coming in cleaning up my office. And I've got mom saying, sure you want to do that? You know, you sure you want to preach on that? You know, and yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, just be quiet in a loving way. <laughs> I love you. Um, but uh, I, was really, I was really starting to hit this wall with my mom. And from when I had gone to college up till this point, me and my mom had just grown so close together and our relationship from high school was so mended and we were so best friends and boom, as soon as we started working together, it just became unraveled. We were starting to get in the big fights again. We were starting to, and my dad didn't know how to do it because he, he was like, well, Zach's, you know, he'd go to my mom, Zach's not working for you so you need to kind of lay off here. And Zach, you need to let your mom be a mom. And I was going, this is my job. But every mom out there, once a mom, always a mom. And it wasn't my mom's fault. But it got to a situation where um, we had our, our son, Ethan, and he's uh, going to be two in November. And we're expecting another one in August, a girl. So that'll be interesting. But uh, you, you, you feel like you get so good with the one that now I'm scared to see what the other's like. But, um, but we, we had Ethan, and it was just getting to an area where it was like, hey, I had been there about three years, and it was getting to an area of, man, this really isn't healthy for me and my mom's relationship. And I, at that point, had kind of felt like I could help the church as much as I possibly could to where they were at. So I wasn't necessarily actively looking for a job up here, but some kind of God says, I don't care. Like, this is the plans I have for you, and you're going to do them. <laughs> if, you're, if you're walking with them, uh, if you're tracking with them, uh, 
then you're going to know. You're going to know that, wow, this is of God. So one day I'm driving home and Ellie gives me a call and said, hey, my aunt Sam heard from a friend who heard from a friend that there's this church up in uh, the Mill Creek area where I grew up and they're looking for a worship guy. And we had kind of already looked at Seattle. So that was one of those things that was like, yeah, yay, whoop-de-doo. What does that mean? Like, so I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but I also knew that, hey, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should at least give this guy a call and maybe we can chat and see if this thing's a legitimate thing or not. So uh, I gave uh, Steve a call and Steve is hilarious. He's awesome. Um, but I thought Steve, when I was talking to him, I thought he was Canadian. <laughs> when we were talking on the phone, because so I called him up and he goes, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't quite, okay, his sister saying, we do not sound like that. That was just, uh, so finally I find out he's from Wisconsin because, uh, the saying that Steve said to me so many times is he said, oh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. You know, that other, other football team. Uh, so he said that to me like five times through the interview process. So that was my joke with Brooks. I said, Green Bay, that other football team, but I, uh, he just sounded like a really genuine guy when we talked on the phone. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, even if this isn't what God has meant, that guy sounds like a really awesome guy. And so I kind of go and talk to my dad about it. And me and Steve, after we talked, he said, send me your resume. Um, send me a recording of you singing or something. So, and, and we'll see if it turns into anything. And I kind of was like, okay, cool. Not really thinking much of it. But I figured if I'm going to send my resume out, I should probably let my dad know. That's the responsible thing to do is go to him and say, hey, I'm sending this here, not thinking much is going to happen, but I want you to be aware of that as a common courtesy. And man, when I told my dad that, he just went like white in the face. And I was kind of like, I'm just sending him my, re- I've sent 10 resumes up to that area and I haven't gotten one like callback. So don't, don't stress about this. I just, it's Ellie's aunt's friend and I'll be nice and send it up. And he was really, really just uncomfortable with it. Um, One, because he didn't want to lose me at his church. But what I would soon find out was two, he knew it was going to happen. And he knew it was, he knew that was going to come. And he didn't know what to say to me. So he said, okay. He, He said, yeah, that's, that's cool. So Long story short, I end up Skyping with, with Steve and, and David Weed, and, and we talk a lot, and I'm kind of telling them about me, and they're telling me about the church. And uh, so it came to the point where they said, hey, we're going to fly you up here. And I think that was the big point where I kind of said, wow, this, this could happen. And I, I started to panic a little bit because when you first think about moving, you're like, hey, that'd be cool, try something new. But then when you realize you might actually move, it's like, whoa, 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 I've got, I've got friends here. I've got family here. I've only lived here. I've never lived anywhere else. I've lived in the same 50-mile radius my whole life. Like, so I started getting really uncomfortable with it and go, who do I fall back on? And their church was fine with me becoming the senior pastor when my dad was done. So I had it made for me in that sense. And the weather was great. And, and it's great here too, three months of the year. So, um, 
So every, everything was set, like life was set. I had great friends, great family, a great job, a secure job, uh, everything. And so I started kind of panic, panicking along with the excitement of the possibility of moving here. And I got to the stage where, man, we flew up here and I just fell in love with it. I had been up here a ton of times visiting Ellie's family because when me and Ellie got married, her family had moved back here. And man, I just got up here and I fell in love with it. And I was telling Ellie, man, I feel like this is it. But I almost didn't want to say it was from God because I didn't want it to come back and not happen and then start questioning myself like, well, was that God or, or was that just me or is that something I wanted? But the more and more me and Ellie pursued God and prayed about it and we took time to pray together about it, we just felt like, man, this is going to happen this is going to happen and, and, and this is going to be a huge step for us because we're going to leave everything that we know. We're going to leave everything comfortable. Then we were super nervous because we were like, well, we just, we had bought a house two years ago in Aurora and the economy was not good. And it was like, how are we going to sell a house? How, uh, this is really, really super uncomfortable. So obviously I get the call and they say, boom, we'd, we'd love to have have you be our new worship guy. And at this point, I had grown so close to the kids in my youth ministry that I was really struggling leaving them because I felt like we had just broken through all these walls and, and we were going somewhere with this. So the other side, I started filling up with fear of the unknown and, and I'm not gonna be able to fall back on mom and dad if something goes wrong and, and oh, so uncomfortable. But no matter all that fear that crept in, there was this peace at the back of my mind the whole time that just said, this is it. This is right. This is what you have to do, Zach. You have to do this. You have to get away from your parents, not because your parents are bad, but because you can't grow anymore under them. You can't grow anymore under your dad's leadership. You can't grow anymore under your mom being a mom. You have to do this. So me and Ellie put our house on the market and... Within a day and a half, we were under contract, uh, making money off of our house. And we just kind of looked at each other and went, okay, wow, that was cool. And it was kind of more confirmation that God's hand was in it. And the thing I want to encourage you guys with today, uh, and I have to say I love, I love our church, amazing church, um, the thing I want to encourage you with today is I still have my struggles being up here. I'm still making friends. I'm still getting used to the weather. I'm still getting used to being around Seahawks fans. Um, they're great. I have to admit, you guys have a great fan base. Um, but amongst all that, even though it's hard sometimes, even though I'm driving home sometimes and I say, man, I really miss just going out with my buddies sometime or man, I, I really miss going over to my mom and dad's house just to grab dinner real quick. Um, there's just something that I can't explain. It's this piece that just says, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life. And it's because I was walking right where God had laid it out. And that's the scripture that I, I wanna close with today. And it's Proverbs 3, verses five through six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I can look at these two huge steps that I took in my life 
And I can look at this scripture and say, this fit me to a T. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There were so many times when I didn't understand what God was doing. I didn't understand why he was making me a janitor. I didn't understand why I was leaving my home and everything I knew and friends that I had grown up with and all these relationships. But you know what? It wasn't about me. It wasn't about what I was comfortable with. It wasn't about what I wanted, but it was about God's will and his purpose for my life. So I just have to say that as we go out next week, we're gonna be talking about how do you get out of your comfort zone? How do, you, how do you take your relationship with God that is right in this comfort zone and move it out? Because as we're gonna look at next week, when you get out of your comfort zone and you get past a risk stage and a panic stage and when you get out to a completely trusting God stage, amazing things happen. Because your life becomes not about you at all, but it becomes about everything that God has for you. And it's amazing to live in it. And it doesn't say that it's going to be easy. And it doesn't, gonna, it doesn't say that it's just going to be this perfect, wonderful little life with a, a white picket fence around it. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. It's going to take work. It's going to take perseverance. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take trust. We know that. But how often do we just like to just sit in this little comfort zone? But I'm fine here. Now, and being in that comfort zone doesn't always mean leaving like I did. Sometimes it's staying when you want to leave. So everybody's in a, different, in a different area. But as we close today, and I close this in prayer, I just want you to be encouraged through my testimony that sometimes you just have to say, I don't get it, but God does. And I will say the biggest thing that helped me through it was prayer. Was prayer, prayer, prayer. So when Steve... And, and the gambers were talking about praying together. That is so huge to be able to do that. There were so many times I was able to pray and Ellie was able to kind of confirm what I was feeling. And it brought us closer together because we didn't feel like this walk with God was separate, but it was both of us coming to the same conclusion. And it was me leading that and her responding to it. It was amazing. So as you leave today, I want you to think about where is God pushing you? Where is God saying, you need to start getting a little uncomfortable with this. Maybe it's something you need to stop doing. Uh, maybe it is something that God's been calling you to go. Maybe it's a friend that God's been calling you to witness to. Um, maybe it's something really small. But wherever it is, that's what I want my prayer to be for you guys today is that we could all get out of our comfort zone a little bit and let God start stirring us up and stirring up our community of Mill Creek so we can do great things. Sound good? All right, well, bow your heads. Let me, uh, let me say a prayer with you guys. Father, we just, we know that each and every one of us has a different story, that each and every one of us has a different walk with you, Father. And we just pray that you would stir us up in our hearts to, to get uncomfortable for you, Father, to just completely sell out for you. No part of us, no rock unturned or anything. Father, we just pray that we would be, you know, just... <laughs> pedal to the metal, going all out for you, Father. And we pray that you'd show us the different areas of our life that we need to get uncomfortable with. We pray that you would call those out inside of us through us reading our word and through praying. Uh, and most of all, Father, we thank you so much for the grace you have with us because we don't always make the right decision, um, but you're there to always just give us grace. And we thank you so much for that. Um, we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.